welcome to The Parent Panel, a weekly podcast where one mum and one dad are invited onto the show to give us their opinions and share their experiences as parents. Today, we're talking about having babies for the country, the relationship between parents and teachers, how partners handle childbirth, and the most useless thing you bought for your first child. I do a massive job keeping them alive. I'm not going to climb up that slide and go down that slide and ruin my pants. Two nights ago, my daughter punched me in the face for a laugh. And then I just, I just, I spent the next half an hour making her feel better about punching me in the face. My wife and I have this great saying with each other, and that is, the days are long, but the years are short. The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Annalise Dent is our mum. She's a writer, broadcaster and mum of two kids aged, they were five and seven. No, yeah, they're five and seven. Yeah, seven and, and, and about to be five, About actually. to be five. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> starting school? Not starting school. No, I've, um, I've gone with the, the boy trend. Holding him back. Yeah. I have heard you will never regret that. No, I did it with my first son and, and loved it. And I just, it's for me, it's giving them an extra gear of play. That's how I look at it. I love it. Our dad is marriage celebrant Chris North. He has three children, two boys aged 11 and 13. Or are they 12 and 14 oh, now? I, mm, I hate this because I'm terrible with dates. He doesn't dates. know. I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm so bad at this. Because I, I would think, you know, because <laughs> Annalise gonna, have I'm, known each other for so long. I'm going to message your wife straight after this show. <laughs> and I reckon, I reckon the first time that we met, it was like, uh, how old are your kids? And I was like, seven, five and three. No, it was it was two, four, six. Oh, it was two, four, six? Yes. So you we had them at two, four, six. Okay, right. That's when we knew. So, that's how I knew because it was two, four, six. It was uh, really easy. So they're two years apart. Yeah, 18 so months apart. So, so I've how got, is he youngest? Uh, 15, daughter is 15, yes. about to turn 16 in March. Uh, so 15, 14, 12. There you go. So you, you knew. Go. Yeah, but you know, I'm just being like them, a, <laughs> a, a stubborn teenager. Don't care. Oh, I love it. All right, our first topic today. How many babies can you afford? Tony Abbott says that more middle-class women need to be having babies. And this echoes Peter Costello's 2004 call for parents to have one for mum, one for dad and one for the company. And that was all around getting the baby bonus and, you know, increasing our population here in Australia. Was that company or country? Country, sorry. Oh, Did thinking, I say company? Yeah, because I'm thinking if there's a business that wants them, I, to, I'm in. I want to join them. It. Here you go. I Sometimes I do worry a lot about my brain. I didn't even notice that's what I said. There are so many things that get lost in there. Anyway, back to the topic. Uh, in this latest call to increase fertility rates in Australia, Abbott said women in the welfare system have lots of kids. If you're very wealthy, you can afford to have as many kids as you want. Now, please remember that this is in the same breath as his, his defining very wealthy as middle class. And according to an OECD report from 2019, to be middle class in Australia, a single person has an after-tax income of between $33,300 and $88,700 a year, huge bracket there for middle class, and a couple with two children is middle class if together you earn between $66,600 and $177,400, and that is if you're a couple with two kids. Um, Again, huge bracket. Uh, Annalise, how do you feel about Abbott's comments? Could you afford to have more babies? Well, if we remove the fact that it's sexist, classist and reeks of the patriarchy for a moment (laughs) and just focus on actually what he's saying, not how he's saying it, 
Um, I I don't really fully understand his his motivation for it. It was is my first thought. Is it that he's wanting more women? I, I read I read the article and it was saying that he wants more women who are working to be having children. But the way that the daycare and, and childcare structures are set up that's getting even harder and harder. So if you're saying that two people that are on a combined income of, what was it, 60? The lower end was 66,600. So if they're they're having more than two children, how are they going to afford to put them in daycare would be my first thought. Um, Can I afford to have more kids? Probably not, but we, we would like to. Yeah, um, and you know we li- we all live in Sydney, so we are all doing it the toughest in the country. The three of us right here, um, and but you know we as a family have said, my husband and I have said we're not going to do private school. We're going to make choices that can enable us to have more kids because we want a bigger family, not more money. At the end of the day, yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I look at that figure of uh, sixty six thousand six hundred, and I don't even know how you can have one child on and if it's a combined income the assumption is you're both working under that somebody's going to be working somebody has to be working part-time under that assumption surely like that's just that's yeah that's a and men but people are and i mean to to put that expectation to say these people should be having more babies i mean nobody is going to be having more children because someone's telling them to (laughs) no one's having people are only going to have as many kids as they either want to or can afford to yeah and so no matter what anyone says that it's good for the country or not, it's not going to impact. I mean, did you think when you're having your third, you know what, the government will really enjoy the fact that we're having a third child. That's why we're doing it. It's not for us. Technically it's for a the mistake. Economy. It's for the economy. Not, yeah, technically. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody is going to be having children for this reason. Yeah. It's ludicrous. And, and do, so if you if you look at it in that respect, I suppose, you know, think of it, I, I kind of think about this sometimes like dating. You know, it's like I can't, you can't even afford to go dating. Like imagine going to buy a drink like nowadays. <laughs> It's like twelve dollars for a gin and tonic. <laughs> exactly. And you expect that to go somewhere? When it, in our day, it was you know the happy hour was oh it, five maybe. Yeah, you know. that's because you're a lot older. That's, than us. Uh, <laughs> things are black and white. But, but that's it's so true. And in, in a situation where people are going, okay, go and have um, go and increase families. Fine. Go and increase the workforce. Fine. That's good. But then there's the stress of people who have to firstly go and get a, uh, they have a job, they have a baby, they maybe spend a couple of weeks out and then they're bang, kids already in daycare. So then I would be interested to see the figures of how many women actually go back to work within the first year. Mm. And I I would think it's pretty high. And then those that have large families, they always say that, you know, um, two, what is it? Three is a crowd, four is chaos, right? And those that have four or five, I've seen families like that and I go, how do you manage it? Uh, and they manage it somehow. They manage it. I don't. I don't know how they, they they work themselves out. But I think the difficulty that comes there is that there is no increase in real wages. So why ask people to have babies and then come back and in, into the workforce when the real wage increase has been next to nothing? Now, Annalise and I worked in radio for years. They pay crap. Like it's not some wonderful wealth machine mm. or oh, it is unless you're Kyle and Jackie O yeah, but everyone below that or you work in sales and you, yes. and you go and come yeah. up with some dumb idea and go and sell it to a company then you get money but everyone else get they get paid nothing and and they 
put the pressure on to say keep wages low and that's with every industry wages are kept low and and we're in that situation where you can't people cannot possibly afford it and you're right we live in sydney how can you afford oh, to live in sydney but I, and i think a lot of people like you you hear about young people choosing whether to have family like children or not and absolutely affordability comes into it i think for my husband and I, so uh, I'm 43 now, and I had my first birth baby at 35, but we waited. And even when we had it at 35, we didn't think we were going to manage financially, but we waited because we're like, we need to have some financial security in order to have a child. And people said to us, if you wait for that, you yeah. will never have kids. It's like a mortgage. It, no time's the right time. No time's it, right. it's, like, it's like all of these things. We want to wait for a baby. No time is the right time for the baby. It's going to come along and, and it, you're going to... It can be the wrong time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're 50 going, oh. hey, i got money now. <laughs> I'm sorted. I want a baby. Although it is actually possible. Oh, God. It, well, it happens. It does happen, but mm. rarely. Imagine Very that. Rarely. 68, drink, drinking birthday cake from a straw at their 18th birthday. <laughs> Oh, happy birthday. I'd buy you a present, love, but my pension check didn't come in today. Oh, you're just being nasty now. Oh, Chris. Yeah. Can't uh, take him anywhere. Well, but has anyone eaten a raw onion? I mean, that's really the question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he may not know what he's talking about with increasing the fertility he rate. He fights but fires. He goes and fights fires. Does he? Right. How yeah, he he's, a volunteer, he's a volunteer fire. Yeah, yeah that doesn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, he goes and fights fires. Yeah, he's I've out seen there him. in the bush and yeah, he's leading the way. And no, His biggest hasn't... achievement will still be eating, eating a an raw onion. onion. Don't you think, really? All right, up next, do parents need to rethink their relationship with teachers? What I see as being almost a missing link between parents and teachers at the moment is an understanding that we all want what's best for this child. That's Gabby Stroud, and she's the author of Dear Parents, and she speak, that was her speaking on Feed, Play, Love this week. So Gabby's best known for her 2018 book, Teachers, which kind of saw her on programs like Q&A, and she was basically talking about how much she loved teaching, but how that was just destroyed under the standardised testing and loads of paperwork. And now her latest book, Dear Parents, Um, She says she's a little bit afraid because it's quite controversial. Like what she's asking for is for teachers and parents to start talking. Essentially, she's saying that parents see education from a consumer's perspective and she believes it needs to be more collaborative than that. And what she wants is for parents to do their job at home so that teachers can do their job at school. Chris, do you think parents trust teachers to do their job? Oh, Oh, fire me up. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I reckon this is the kind of, this is the, the harden up cement pill kind of tablet, whatever you want to call it, is the metaphor that, that the parents have to take. Um, I, I think the bit that really frustrates me is how many parents blame teachers for or the education system for the things that they're not doing at home or for the structure and the, you know, the things that they should be putting in place at home. And that, that, that extends from everything, from not packing a lunch to um, not teaching them how to wash their hands after going to the bathroom. Uh, so early childhood educators, just kind of following from Gabby's stuff, uh, um, I, uh, when we knew about this episode, so I looked at what she was saying and then I found out there was this, found this great article on early childhood educators who over the last 20 years have changed in the daycare system from being early childhood teachers to being these generalist teachers. So they're not just going in and teaching literacy or numeracy, they're suddenly becoming quite generalist and, and kind of filling these gaps that parents should be doing at home. Parents should be reading 
to their kids at home. Parents should be spending that 10 minutes before they go to bed, not on their phones, not checking the latest Netflix. Oh, God forbid that you should not be able to have your TV on demand while you read to your kid for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, no seriously. that. <laughs> but, you know, or, or, or scrolling while you're reading. That type, it's actually, that type of thing is so important. And... When they don't get those milestones and they're at school and they're not hitting those milestones, the first thing they do, oh, teacher's bad. Mm. No, the teacher's great. Yeah, the teachers work hard. They do. And I'd, I'd hate to put up with you know, some parent ringing me, ring up and you know, being like me, saying, come on, you're not teaching my kid. It's your job. Not that I've done that. Uh, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, much at all. I've definitely heard a lot of... Uh, complaints like my son's in early primary school and it was from year one where you'd, you'd hear that the, the parent natter of complaints and oh we're not getting any homework and I'd be what looking at them and I'm like they're six why do they need homework you know oh I've, I've heard that you know she lets them just do a lot of creativity and writing and drawing Oh, oh, really? Because they're six. Oh, How beautiful. <laughs> what a beautiful teacher we have. You know, and, and I, I trust that my teacher, uh, my son's teacher, is doing the right thing because he's happy to go to school. He loves learning and his creativity had blossomed that year. For me, that is more important than getting homework, which he would have hated doing every afternoon and let's school. face it, we hate homework too. Yeah. Am I right? We, well, we didn't do any last year because we had this beautiful, <laughs> awesome, laissez-faire, cruisy teacher. I hate homework. I hate <laughs> but here's, uh, that's a good point. And so my youngest is now starting high school. He started high school this this week, today, first day of the Right? So good luck to him. Get out. Uh, so he's, he's doing that. But... I kind of look at year six, and with all due respect to the Catholic education system, they ought to get their bums kicked because the whole system is is absolutely flawed. These guys just sit there for the whole of year six doing nilly sweet FA. So the kids that want to do get challenged, they want to get prepared for high school, and they're really keen to kind of, can move forward. The teachers are like, oh, we can't do that. Oh, the system tells it. So in actual fact, the teachers... As as productive and creative, I love that teachers can be creative yeah. as they are. Like one of the teachers brought in a telescope. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, like let's bring the and the and the office are like no, you can't do, can't have the telescope. Someone might hurt their eye. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> someone might find out the world's not round. <laughs> but it's like ridiculous, and you they, go, they're hamstrung by what they're told to do, right? Rather than what they probably passionately want to do, which is oh, help your child learn more. Absolutely. And if parents start to work together with educators, and yeah, there are some things, there are some gaps, and yeah, things fall down, but, you know, find a... And there are some dud teachers. Let's, you know, there are some honest... There are of some course duds, there are. But there are some dud parents. So let's... Oh, yeah, more of those. How, how many yeah. parents do you think have this view of education as... I am paying for this, therefore my child must be uniquely important in this class of Oh, they're all gifted. All my kids are gifted. Your kid's gifted. Everyone's gifted. Well, mine are pretty special. Yeah, special. Gifted. Gifted. (laughs) I mean, my kid's at a public school, so I I even feel even more ludicrous that people are complaining about this free education that they're being given. It's free. (laughs) It's it's free. Does it get any better? It really doesn't. All right. So my husband was a trooper during my labor, but not every partner handles birth the same. Up next, our guests discuss how they or their partner went in the birthing suite. I'm kind of glad I'm not going to be at the birth. 
Most fathers cry. I honestly think I'd vomit all over the little thing. You wouldn't want to have sex with Allison ever again anyways. It'd be like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. No, I'd return that. I, I hope the warranty's still good on her because, God. That's a scene, actually, it's a deleted scene that I found from the movie Knocked Up, where the dad-to-be is with his best mate watching a birthing video. Never a good idea. <laughs> um, and it kind of ties into this story that's doing the rounds at the moment of this birth selfie. So a woman is getting a C-section and her husband has passed out flat on the floor behind her. And um, she's taken the photo. And of course She's it, taken the photo. She's taken yeah, the yeah, photo. It's a selfie. So she's it's a, it's a post- birth selfie. So yeah, it's a belfie. So I reckon... <laughs> I reckon what's happened is the husband was there to take photos. He's passed out and she's just gone, hey, can you can you just give me the camera for a minute? And <laughs> no. look at him. It was so, and the look on her on face. This. And then the look on, like, <laughs> like the nurse is holding the baby and everyone's crowding over this guy. And this woman's just lying there like, ha What is going on Sucker. here? And um, look, it has been said that it's harder to witness a woman giving birth than it is to actually be the person giving birth. And having only been on the labouring side myself, I can't comment. Um, I do know that it did take a toll on my husband because I was kind of in the moment at on with my first child. And I remember looking up and he was crying <sighs> and I was like... Hmm, maybe. And Emotionally? I think it, or? Well, he was crying and then I looked at him and he went, maybe it's time you got an epidural. And I thought, okay, he's really impacted by oh, the pain. The pain. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I know. I was like, oh. The baby hadn't even like, been born like, oh, at that point. for joy. Yeah. No. Nice. So sensitive. <laughs> what a new age guy. But he is new age because he was crying because I was in pain. He's an It wasn't impact. the same the second oh. time around, but no, we won't go that, there. that'll change. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. And Elise, how did your husband handle childbirth the first time around? He, he was pretty pragmatic, actually. And he, he's good in a crisis. He'll sort of, he'll flip into just, yep, let's tick A, B and C off. So he, surprisingly, he was actually really fine about it. He wanted to get down there and look. Because I was like, oh, you don't have to look, you don't have to look. He's like, no, I want to see, I want to see. <laughs> and he actually, for my first, and he tells everyone this, I'm surprised you haven't heard this story, Chris. For my first, he actually, um, once the first shoulder was out, the obstetrician said, oh, hey, you know, come here, Clarence, um, grab, grab here. And he actually yanked Freddie, my first son, out. Wow. wow! Did you tear? Are you blaming no, him for tearing? No, I, I, no, I'm, I'm a, I, for some reason, I, I'm dramatic in everyday life, but in birth, I go into some sort of hypno trance and I can just birth without too much um, issue complaint, and I don't tear. She wow. coughed. She literally coughed. No. She sneezed. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so Clarence. So he he birthed. He got, he actually he, he birthed caught the, the baby. baby. Caught the baby. Yeah. So he That's, loves I've that never story. Heard that. That's fantastic. Don't you love that expression though? Caught the baby. It's like <laughs> they well, don't. He, he says yank. He says yank. Because yeah. you do, you have to sort of, once one shoulder's out, that's the hardest part. Head and shoulder's out. Yeah. And then you sort of. So he's practically a midwife, really. What, well, what he told you is he'd spent the last like four weeks on a farm <laughs> cow, like, just try, trying to work out how to get them out of animals. He like, had a big yeah. plastic glove on his hand all the way up to his shoulder. So he walks, I'm going to do this. He walks into the birthing street and there's Annalise. He's got, he's got this big plastic glove on his hand. Up to his hand. What are you doing with that? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Don't worry, babe. I've yeah, got uh, this. I've got the calipers. He, I've got the... He, did, he did have that. I don't know why. He's, he's, he can be a bit... Um, uh, high maintenance in other areas, but in birth, really pragmatic and awesome. just and yeah. c- cool as a cucumber. Fine. Obviously, yeah. I think men go through kind of this process of it's very, uh, I don't know. Is it is it part of our primal makeup that you know 
that we cha- we go through like a different emotive state, both men and women, um, in terms of kind of the the birthing and the the preparation, the contractions, and and so what's being experienced by women and what's being experienced by men are two kind of different things. And it's quite like my experience was that um, was one of kind of confusion. I didn't know what to do. You can go to every antenatal <laughs> class in the world, but it doesn't it doesn't address for okay. So what's going on now? And, you know, how do I handle this and what do I do to help? And so there there is a sense of helplessness yeah. in, in the whole process. And so you by sense of helplessness, you then eventually just become in the way. Um, mm-hmm. And you just don't know what to do. Was your wife um, wanting you to physically be there? Like, was she wanting that support or was she at that point going, yeah, you are in the way, get out? Uh, well, is that a before or after she threw up on me or is that before oh. or after? I had everything, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I remember the first two babies were born in Mackay, right? We were living up in, in central Queensland at the time. And I just, um, I was doing breakfast radio there so it was like you're up at three o'clock in the morning it's a mining town and it's a, and it's a Early. long day then elaine rings up you know we're on air she goes i'm going to the hospital it's like far out so i went to the hospital after the shift and by the time molly was born was what i think about six o'clock the next day so saturday morning but in that process she was she decided to hop in the shower and, and starts relaxing the water on the thing and having the, yeah. the, the thing you know how they relax in the shower and that's great so i walked out into the birthing suite and I just sat down I said are you okay she goes yeah and I said is there anything I can do she goes no 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 just 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 sit down and I'll be fine and I fell asleep oh. and I, I was woken up um, <laughs> by uh, uh, Lance who was our uh, obstetrician and he walks in it's I don't know two o'clock in the morning or something and I haven't heard the door open and Elaine's been in there for maybe 45 minutes under a really hot shower. Oh, no. And he goes, he's talked to her and then he walks out to me and he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, I wake up and I, he goes, you all right, mate? <laughs> Anything oh. else I can get you? And I'm like, oh, I just, uh, uh, uh. So yeah, I'd kind of, I was in a situation where I didn't know what to do. So I went, I'll just sit down and relax. And I actually fell asleep. My, my husband, so with that first birth, it was quite a long labor before I got the epidural. And I was having a lot of gas. Gas is my way out of that pain. And so gas um, kind of takes you away from your body, but it doesn't stop the experience or the pain or whatever. And there was one point where I was on all fours. He was over a beanbag holding my hands and I was had sucked on the gas. I was in a huge contraction. And then I just hear this really oddly familiar sound that just was really disconnecting in that environment. And then I worked out. I'm like, oh my God, he's snoring. Oh. So he was over the and, and look, I can't blame him because I would not let him leave the room. Like we were oh, in there for quite really? a long time. Like you're not going anywhere, buddy. Can I get a coffee? No, you can't. You have to stay with me. Because he was my rock and I was holding on to him and all I was like, I just remember being in the middle of a cr- contraction. It sort of ended and I went, you've got to be joking. <laughs> and, and he woke up and he did not go back to sleep after that. <laughs> So you're not the only one. Yeah, good. Oh, I, don't, I don't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> the second birth was much, uh, he, he said this to me, when I went through the first time, it, was, it really bothered him. The second time he said, I'm not as worried about you this time because I have been through pain. And I thought, oh, it's the first birth. Mm-mm. He said, I've been through pain. I have dropped Darcy off at childcare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to leave her crying. I know what pain is oh, now. Right. I was like, are wow. you comparing child? Are you are you comparing morning drop off with oh, child labour? So I I made that mistake. I com- oh. I compared a, a I had a hernia operation, <laughs> no. and I compared the size of the scar to the size of the C scar oh, that no. Elaine had. I said, it's the same size scar. 
She didn't talk to me for six months. <laughs> and I understand that, don't you, Annalise? I absolutely uh, do. By the third kid, I just said, oh, just text me when it's out. <laughs> I have heard that yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. If I didn't have a third child. Our final topic in just a moment, the most useless thing you bought for your first child. There's something wrong with your toilet. I'm sorry I broke one of your rules. You peed in the sink. Isn't that against everyone's rules? Only a crazy person locks their toilet. It's for the baby. It's safe. So that's from the comedy Baby Mama. And basically, uh, I think it's Amy Poehler, is the, meant to be the surrogate. And she's trying to go to the toilet. But the um, mother, the one who's wanting the baby, has kitted out the whole house with all baby safe stuff and sh- and locked the toilet door off. <laughs> so there's just this scene where she's walking past and Amy Poehler's sitting on the sink weeing. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen so it. So that's, that's one of those things that I would suspect is not something you need with a newborn baby <laughs> or even a toddler. Why would... Anyway, um, a friend found a business in the US that creates decor that you can take to your delivery room. And it's called Ruffles oh, and Buttons. Oh, yes, I've seen. Yeah. You can create your own bed sheets, pillow sleeps. For, pillow the, sleeps, for the hospital. For the hospital. <laughs> oh, uh, newborn God. baby can match the decor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've both looked at each other and gone, oh, well, let's walk out the door. Um, yeah, actually, Whopper. it's something you will never unsee once you see it. But to be fair, I did succumb to some ridiculous things for our first baby in particular, actually by the second I knew how didn't need that stuff. And I did go out and buy a special coming home outfit. Oh, yes. And you just know with your first, you never know, you can't quite fathom how small they're going to be. <laughs> and so I had this really beautiful pair of, and they were, there was what a What was pretty, it? Was it a just, onesie or? No. Like actual pair, clothes. Actual, oh, yeah. That's yeah, really right. useful for a newborn. <laughs> and they were a pair. How big's the in, child? 51 centimetres. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll fit. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought they were tiny. There were these cute little bloomers that were um, like an aqua colour oh. and, <laughs> and a cute little singlet to match. And of course. Was it summer? Totally, it was summer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Winter, I would have had him wrapped up in like a (laughs) fluffy coat or something. Chris, what was the most useless thing you bought for your first baby? Oh, I kind of look at this and I I think there are so many things that you just don't need for that stuff. And I think if I look at what's in our house, um, when we moved uh, back to Sydney, of all the stuff that we had to get rid of, and I kind of looked at it and went... Why did we get this? And what were we doing with it? Um, safety latches were top of the, 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 the mind for me. And I, for some reason, we bought a number of safety latches. And it, it's kind of mentioned before. And it was like, we didn't, we didn't use one of them ever. <laughs> Not one. Right? So, and, and, and just let's remember, the baby couldn't walk. Like when Molly was born... She, she's in. She's in the cot. They're worms. Not, they're, they're, they're just doing this the whole time. It's like, oh, but we've got you a little plate, and we've got you a little spoon. We've got you a little, <laughs> you're not using any of it. None of it. None of it. Um, and so all of those things were probably super frustrating. And we ended up with a box of things that must have cost hundreds of dollars. <laughs> and they're all just never used. There. And that was never... back in 1983. So imagine what oh, that Imagine that. It, that was pre decimal currency. That was like pounds, shillings, and pence. 
that's what it's worth now. Um, oh, but yes. yeah, I, I haven't bought a bow and arrow at the time because I've had a baby girl. No blokes touching her. It's like, come on. It's like, we're still 18 years away from that. Uh, I, 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 so it's true. You, you, you buy useless rubbish definitely. thinking that you actually need it and forgetting that mm. nothing, you just got, there's no need for anything. I think the most practical thing to buy would be a singlet top. But like that, know, or a onesie, you know, like one yeah, of those yeah. those wonder onesies. And or nappies what? help, I think. They're... Oh yeah, well we did we did cloth nappies. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, in 1983, that's yeah. all people used. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that in the 70s? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Can I just say, all, of all the ridiculous things I bought, clothes was a big one, and I I would do it a lot. And I, what I wish I had have done instead of buying all of that useless stuff that didn't matter was to save that money and pay someone to come. And sit with me or do the washing cook or cook a meal yes. or a doula to come in and yes. hold my baby while I went and Showered. had a swim. Yes. Yeah. And oh, I just yeah. did not yeah. think Drink a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> warm tea. Yeah, warm yep. tea. Yeah. Not cold. <laughs> Annalise, was there anything ridiculous well, that you got? Um, I had a I think about this, but I was actually the opposite. I was very practical first time parent. I sort of got furniture secondhand. I got bags and bags of secondhand clothes. Yes. And Smart. so I was I was trying to be so practical that I did the most impractical thing, which is for my pram, so for my first baby, I bought a double pram. That <laughs> <laughs> I no, I didn't have optimistic way. So I was thinking, I'll buy this giant pram that you can convert to a double pram so that I only ever have to buy one pram because when I have my second it'll just ah, and you can just I see I was already I see the logic. Planning, <laughs> but then by the time I had my second baby I had a three-year-old yeah. who was scooting so but the whole time I had this huge Massive. pram <laughs> zipping around in a Sydney with this huge pram oh, that you like, been couldn't fit in cafe doors <laughs> And then in the end, yeah. I've, I've got, I've, you know, seven and nearly five-year-old. I think we had four prams in the end. <laughs> oh, I can see. I can, but, you know, oh. I see the sense behind but your it was, thought process. But it was so ridiculous because it was so big for How three long did years. You, so did you actually keep it and use it for, for those three years? three years. I think wow. we bought a travel stroller. And when we had the first, and then by the time when I was having my second, I was like, "I'm not taking that thing everywhere. I'm getting a smaller pram." It sounds like it was like a Sherman tank. (laughs) (laughs) Those double prams are massive, and they're side by side, not one of those tricky ones. It was was a double pram with three wheels because they're the worst. No, it had four wheels. No, it wasn't side by side. That would look really sad. Imagine with your newborn, and there's this empty little (laughs) thing next to it. That would be you don't have a friend. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that. It was just it was you could convert it, but to be able to do that, it was massive. Oh, I see what you yeah, mean. Well, you had an empty chair on. there, but mummy and daddy couldn't afford another baby. <laughs> so, yeah, because we bought this massive pram. <laughs> and the really government want us to have another baby, but they won't pay us anymore. <laughs> Look at that. He's circled round. You're a true professional, Chris North. Um, well, that was our last topic. And I'm not sure if you guys got anything going on that you'd like to uh Well, nothing we want to publish. Yeah, we don't want to tell everyone what you, we're no. doing, but there's nothing going on like that. Oh, right, wanna... between the two of you. Oh, yeah. That's, it's like, it's like, oh, you that's just made awkward. that really awkward. I didn't even know what he was talking about. <laughs> it went over my head. Thanks. It's so far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's so true. <laughs> anyway, if you've just joined the podcast, we can do this because we're friends. So we can We've do known it. each other for a long time. Many, but, many years. Oh, I feel like I'm, t- I'm going now. All okay. right, see ya. No weddings on the horizon. Oh, plug. Let's I, plug your weddings just I, in case. Do you know what? I've got a really cool wedding coming up. Yeah. Get this. It's in Taipei. Oh, 
wow. in Taiwan. They're flying. You. They're flying. That's so I've, how good Chris I've, is, everyone. I'm He's doing been a, flown to a wedding. Yeah, well, I'm do, I do a lot of elopements. I'm really excited. Is that about, an elopement, though, if everyone's going to be there? We'll, for the we'll do that for those who want to get a lot. Do an elopement and they yep. go, Oh, how do we get married overseas? You do it before you leave, yeah, uh, legally. Yeah, oh, I see. So, we do it before mm. we leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I'm, I'm getting an accreditation to do <laughs> weddings in the states, so that's that's going to come through oh. soon. So, I can do them there. There will be Got, links in the notes of this episode, yes, on how you can get Chris. <laughs> Chris He's Solomon. happy to go anywhere, <laughs> do anything, I'll literally, marry you. Have certificate, we'll marry. <laughs> And Elise, what have you got going on at the moment? Uh, Anything? Nothing that I can talk about right now. But maybe next time. But next time. time, Next time. Nice hook. Nice teaser. Well, thank you both so much for coming. I'm intrigued. I'm going to text you after this and find out what's going on. (laughs) The mystery continues. (laughs) I'm Siobhan Hunt. You can find me at Siobhan Hunt. See you next time. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a babyology podcast, hosted and produced by me, Siobhan Hunt. For more information on the show or to check out other episodes with equally funny and insightful guests, you can find all you need at our website, babyology.com.au forward slash parent panel. Listener.